Hello and welcome to Shoulder to Shoulder as we walk in love with the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I'm Pam Marvin. And we are excited to be continuing our journey with the spiritual friendship of the fathers as we are doing um, a book study on the book. Wait, what is it again? Remind me. Friendship of the Fathers. Friendship of the Fathers, How the Early Church Evangelized by Mike Aquilina. Right. And the reason we're doing this, too, is so we can glean little nuggets to live in our day and time about growing in spiritual friendship and obviously being able to share the love of the Lord with one another. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's just a, a lot of treasures that the the author is bringing before us of saints and well, I guess the in the chapter uh, where we're talking about uh, that that threesome, chapter two, it wasn't they're not saints. So, but so it doesn't have to just be saints that can live out beautiful friendships. <laughs> even the ones that uh, the even the rest of us who haven't quite reached that level of sanctity are called to to friendship. And this little chapter is uh, quite short, um, and it is. Just simply some excerpts from a letter that Gregory of Nyssa, so the Saint Gregory of Nyssa, wrote to a friend. And the interesting thing about Gregory of Nyssa is that he's actually the brother of Saint Basil. In fact, I believe Saint Basil also has a sister who Mm. was at least recognized for her sanctity or is in fact a saint. So that family was a powerhouse of uh, of uh, holiness and so that is just a beautiful beautiful witness that uh you know holy families can can really impact the world in a profound way so this little letter that saint gregory of nyssa wrote uh is an introduction of one friend to another okay and i think even that is something to to discuss because it opens up this idea that friendship is not meant to be exclusive. And whenever we turn in on ourselves as friends and create this little like clicky kind of thing, we aren't functioning out of the truth of what friendship is meant to be, which is open to others and open to sharing that gift of friendship with others. And so in this uh, little letter, St. Gregory of Nyssa is, is very generous in his offering of his friend to an introduction to a, another person. And he goes, he talks a, uh, a bit about how one of the things that he finds himself to be very blessed in is that he is rich in friendship. And uh, he, he, he sees that as something that's truly, truly valuable in this world. That is a great blessing to be rich in friendship. And in that, yes, he's, yes. he's very much uh, echoing what St. Thomas Aquinas will say many, many centuries later, which is the greatest gift on earth is friendship. Well, let's pause there for just a second, Megan, and talk about the friendships that we cultivate in these day and times. Again, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the heart of our uh, podcast is shoulder to shoulder you know, walking in love of the Lord and growing with each other, okay? So that being said, if you look at the culture today, you don't see many deep, beautiful friendships. And we can make arguments a lot, you know, it's social Mm -hmm. media. It's the fact that we are a more transitory people. And all Mm -hmm. those things are true. So it begs the question, 
for each of us and our listeners, how do you cultivate deep friendships today with the people we encounter? You know, I think that so much of us would like kind of hold back a little too much because of hurt or fear or things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but indeed, it's one of the greatest blessings to have a deep, wonderful friendship. So that being said, what can we also do to overcome those fears that maybe some of our listeners have of an intimacy? And I, I've noticed that in in people that I meet, sure. newer, that I would love to be a more deeply intimate friend with them, mm-hmm. but they have walls. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And that there are a lot of reasons that we can get into regarding that. But honestly, I think one of the biggest obstacles in this day and age is people's willingness to give their time. Time. People are really stingy with time a lot of times, or they've come, they've bought some lies about how they're meant to be spending their time. And so they end up spending a lot of time on things that don't have true deep spiritual value yes and they waste it on temporal things well you know it's interesting you say that megan because i wonder this is one of the things i do in my parenting with teenagers when it's a discernment tool Mm -hmm. so when you're looking at x y and z things to do x y or z you look at those three options and you go okay which one of them has to do with community meaning you're with other people and you're growing in friendship mm-hmm. and love of the lord because then community would win the priority so it's mm-hmm. a, it's a way of prioritizing that i started in the last 10 years that has been beautiful you know right. like if, if okay well i've really got a lot of chores at home maybe i need to stay home today and not go to this morning of reflection but mm-hmm. what when i look at it that way i'm thinking you know what this is more community in the morning of reflection i'll be with other people and growth and holiness so i will err on the side of community right and i also think you have to understand that deep intimate relationships require one-on-one time and and it grows over time so if you want deep intimate relationships you're going to have to make an investment of time that can continues over time so it's not like a one and you're done situation like you go out to lunch one day you spend three hours having an awesome conversation and then all of a sudden now you're intimate friends no you may recognize that there is a potential there, mm-hmm. but that's something that you're going to fos- have to foster and cultivate just like you would, you know, there's a seed, right? And and in that initial meeting, maybe that seed has been planted in both of you, but if you both aren't willing to till the soil, water, you know, attend to, give it nutrients, that seed's not going to grow. Mm-hmm. It's not going to grow into intimacy. And so it takes two people to make this level of commitment. I think that's where we often run into problems where there may be a potential, but one or the other person isn't willing to put in the time that it takes to let that potential come to reality. But the problem with, and that's fine if you aren't, if you're saying, you know, I'm just not prioritizing intimate relationships, intimate friendships, if you're saying, oh, or, or I already have like these other relationships that fulfill that need. So I'm not really in a place where I want to do that. But 
it becomes a problem in my mind when somebody is like lamenting that they have no intimate relationships with people that are fulfilling and, and life-giving, but they aren't willing to do the things that it takes to do it. Like you've got to make a decision. Do you want it? And if you want it, then you need to do the things that engender it. That's right. They cultivate it for sure. Yeah. So, but you know, again, the, there are then if you make a start, so you do actually want it and you both decide you're going to put in the time, then you can come up to these walls, right? Where all of a sudden the intimacy can get a little scary. Am I going to really reveal myself to this person? The parts that I don't, aren't really proud of, or I'm scared won't be perceived of as lovable, or am I going to allow my, you know, woundedness to make me feel like my nose is out of joint if somebody does this, that, or the other, and then allow that to destroy the relationship? Like, there's a lot of dynamics that when you start getting close mm -hmm. can come to bear, and then you have to decide, okay... Is it worth it when it gets hard? When, you know, I come up against my humanity and their humanity, you know? For sure. All points to consider, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, but in this little chapter, one of the, again, getting back to that idea of being open-handed with friendship and wanting to share, there's a little quote that I thought was really beautiful. He says, um, when we're rich in blessings, it's a special gift to know how to use what we have. When we have more than enough, the best thing to do is share it with our friends. And since my beloved son Alexander is above all a friend, united to me in, in all sincerity, I hope you will show him my treasure and not just show it to him, but put it at his disposal to enjoy abundantly. Mm. So he's saying, he's saying to this person, you are a treasure and a blessing to me. And this person is also a treasure and a blessing to me. And I want good things for this person. And one of the best things I can think of for this person is to share you with him. Oh, Isn't that beautiful? That's, beautiful. Uh, that's really beautiful. But it, on the other side, it reminds me of, wow, back in the first, I guess, six or seven podcasts we had about how certain friends don't click with certain friends. Even though you click with them, they may no, not. That's so you true. have to know both that of them well true. enough. To say, okay, these would be so very complimentary. You'll mm -hmm. be instant friends. Like, I know people like that, too. Like, I have a really good friend and my sister-in-law. I met, you know, I knew them both. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you guys need to eat, need to meet each other because you're going to hit on all cylinders. And, and I've seen that happen, too. And, and indeed, it was a really good match. Right. And I think that that is an interesting thing because, like, when you recognize, you know what? one of my really, really good friends is actually more like this other good friend of mine than, than they are to me. And that when those two get together, their, their similarity could really blossom into, you know, a really exciting relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And to have that sense of open-handedness and lack of fear that maybe, what if what if they get together and they like each other more than they like me? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and all of a sudden what I was the one who was, you know, intimate with each of them. And now their relationship becomes more important than either of their relationships with me. And that's scary. And I don't want to lose something good. So I'm not even going to let them get together because oh yeah. I'm worried about that. And, and that's understandable that one could have that fear. 
But really then what you're doing is you're saying, I'm willing to deprive my friends of potentially a great blessing to preserve for myself something that I desire. Mm. And that, my friends, is selfishness. Yes. Another way to say that is because of my brokenness, I am not going to allow another person's happiness. Right. Definitely selfishness. And this is also something that can pop up when you're in a situation where you're experiencing jealousy. You know, like maybe you have this really super close bestie, right? And that y'all just are really have done a lot together and you really enjoy each other and you're each other's go-to, right? Whenever there's, you know, something going on or to do activities or to share, you know, deep stuff. Well, if your friend makes another friend and all of a sudden they're diverting some of their attention, some of their time and things to this other person, you can feel jealous that you are losing some of your friend to this other person and not want that. And then therefore, sometimes that can lead to trying to undermine that other mm, relationship. But these things happen, like jealousy, mm. that green-eyed monster. That, that is true. I mean, my personal experience has been that um, some of my closest friends um, have other very close friends that aren't necessarily in our circle, mm -hmm. um, but that give us, and they fit in a different way with our personalities. What do I mean by that? So maybe I have like, a good example is what I, I used um, talking about my my three very intimate friends during the time I was going through the trial with my granddaughter. Um, I had three women, you mm -hmm. being one of them, Megan, that were you fit a niche in mm -hmm. my heart right. that I needed to talk to as well as the t other two women did as well. So I find that other friends have that same thing. And I am thankful mm -hmm. and appreciative because I know I can't fit that for her. Like she's, you know, the whole maybe a, a crafty, you know, right. real exterior thing. That's not my thing. So I'm so thankful my friend has a friend like that to make her life more full. Right. And that is, you know, the beautiful, generous way to look at it. But I think sometimes people, they want to feel like they can fulfill everything for, mm. for a person. And this is one area where I really feel like sometimes um, romantic relationships and marriages can go off the rails a little bit where they desire to be everything for their spouse or their boyfriend or girlfriend. Right. Like I don't like they have this sense of why would you need to go outside of this relationship for to fulfill anything mm -hmm. like it should all be in this here. Well, no, the reality is, is that no one human being can or should even try to fulfill every need exactly. in your life. And why is that? Megan? Because they aren't God. That's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, and, I, but that, that's such a good point, though, because oftentimes today we're looking for so many other people to to feel, fill those voids that we have. And people are really just searching for God. Right. Absolutely. Which is why all good, holy spiritual friendship is based first on a holy relationship with the Lord and understanding that he is central, he's primary, and that everything else flows out of them. You know, one of the things that I often talk about in relation to this is when you love out of your fullness instead of out of your need. Oh, 
Oh, say that again because that's really good. Yeah, you when, love when you love out of your fullness instead of out of your need. So because good. when you are filled with God's love, when you are filled mm. with a knowledge of your dignity and your worth and your belovedness in God, your cup overfloweth. And then it is the overflow of the love of the Lord that he has filled within you that that you then share with others. But if you have not allowed your cup to be filled by the Lord and you have a partially empty cup and you're trying to get people to fill that cup, well, the reality is a partially empty cup is partially empty because there are holes in it. Mm -hmm. Wounds and lies that you've believed and things that cause things to seep out. You know, and it says... uh, what I always forget, I think it's maybe Hosea. There's a phrase, and it was like where the Lord says, You are like broken cisterns, mm. where you know you will not be filled because you're just broken, you, 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 you're blowing out. And so, in order to love out of our abundance and out of our fullness, we need to ask the Lord to come into the places of brokenness and to ask for his healing so that we can hold the grace and the love that he wants to give us that which we then can overflow into our friends so true and sometimes though the answer might be not yet <laughs> that's true it's always a process too like we're never going to be yeah. completely healed the side of heaven right? right but think about it think about it this way i mean there's a big difference between how much water a sieve can hold versus how much water a pot with one small crack in it can hold. Exactly. You know, it may still be leaking a little bit, but it stays full for a pretty long time before mm. it starts really getting emptied, right? I mean, exactly. so we're we're kind of striving to be with God's grace, like the pot with just a few small cracks in it, right? Exactly. And that's what heaven will be, right? Us living and loving in absolute fullness. Right. And we can let the the confessional be the super glue that tries and seals those cracks. Amen. And I think that's a really good point that um, we should always, as part of our examination of conscience, really, really look at our close relationships Mm. and where we have fallen short to love those people with a true, true charity. You know, really ask ourselves, are there times that I have been functioning out of selfishness and not out of generosity towards the people in my life, especially those that God has placed closest to me in my life? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's, you know, that is our place of primary responsibility. Those people that he's brought into our lives and allowed for there to be close, close relationships. Right. Thank you for saying that, because I think so oftentimes I know, especially me earlier on in my um, my quest for just putting God first, is that I would find um, that I couldn't do that exactly. I couldn't. I was always going out, not in my home, but, mm-hmm. oh, I need to evangelize the culture or right. reach more people when the Lord was really saying who do you look in the eye every day? Mm-hmm. Who do I bring to you? Pay attention to that person. That took me a little longer to to come around to that, Megan. Yeah, and I think part of the reason that it's so, sometimes easier to look out than to look at those people closest to you is because you don't have intimacy with those people. So it's kind of like you're in and you're out. 
Yeah. Right. You don't have to deal with the consequences of your stuff okay. and, and the closeness of rubbing up against each other. I mean, it's very much a physical principle. Even if you look at it, there's going to be more friction the closer two things are together. Ah, oh, yeah. Good analogy. Right? Oh, sure. Great analogy. And so we've got to expect that there's going to be things that we're going to have to hash out and difficulties and stuff in these close relationships. But the beauty is, is that God can use that profoundly. Mm -hmm. I was actually having a discussion with a super close friend recently. And I told her, I was like, you know, the, one of the most beautiful things about our relationship is even when we're going through something difficult that we're having to struggle and hash out, I am blessed by it because God uses it for me to know you and me and myself better. Amen to that. And so because my greatest desire is to know the truth of myself and to know the other in deep intimacy, even the places of friction are a blessing, even if they're difficult, because they give us knowledge that and we wouldn't have had otherwise. Right, growth, growth, yeah, right there. Growth, yeah, growth and knowledge, because where there's friction, there is heat. Mm. And with heat, I mean, we can burn more deeply for the Lord in those places where we have to face our humanity <laughs> and still love, right? Because right, right. right? when we come up against those hard places, those places of friction, and we say, I'm going to go through this with you. I'm going to endure this with you instead of saying it's too hard. I'm going to walk away. When you stay, when you experience it, then you grow deeper in love because you have heated up right, right the fire of what you're willing to endure to be in relationship right this just that just reminds me of a beautiful analogy too same in marriage when two people enter into a marriage saying that we do not believe in divorce we were not that's not an option we will mm -hmm. not get there and eventually some very difficult trials do come but what is at the very behind all of that is a sense of safety and security because you know that person's not walking away. Mm -hmm. You know that intimacy will eventually grow even deeper because that person has such a deep level of commitment. Absolutely. I, I just think that, that, that that's so great because people miss that in marriage today. It's like when you're really committed, even though things are tough, it's still a place of comfort and ease and security, knowing that person's going to be there for you. Right, right. And it's important to remember the Lord in the in the Bible, he, he regularly uses the concept of fire, the refining fire, mm -hmm. right, that burns away the impurities. Well, when we endure difficulties in relationship, when we have to face these places of friction, we have the opportunity to be refined, refined within ourselves, refined within the relationship, that we then become more and more perfected and able to love more purely. More purely, absolutely. Beautifully. Beautiful. It reminds me also of, you know, of course, being the potter and the wheel. Mm -hmm. Beautiful analogy as well. Yeah, so, I, I mean... Obviously, this little chapter doesn't have, you know, tons of stuff to be quoting and everything. But as we approach, you know, our relationships with 
open-heartedness, with generosity of sharing within relationship and also sharing our beloved friend with others, we can then grow in opportunities to have more and more people in our lives that are going to continue to help refine us, continue to help us grow in holiness, to become more and more clear reflections of who God has created us to be. Amen. All right. Well, that's it for this time. And next time, next chapter. So we hope that you're all, y'all are reading along with us. And, you know, if you haven't been, you know, reading along, you can always just pause and catch up or, you know, maybe you want to read after you've listened, but we hope that you're enjoying it more than anything else. We hope it's blessing you and drawing you closer to the Lord and closer to others. So until next time, I hope you'll remain united in prayer with us and God bless. God bless.